0: everyone thanks for coming back to another episode of our weld.com podcast today i have with me greg weaver he is the owner operator of wicked welding and fabrication he is from pittsburgh thanks for coming on greg
1: thank you jessica i appreciate being on here
0: yeah i was excited i got to actually meet you in person a few weeks ago at um the event that you guys had for the southwest pa welding group you and Johnny created. We all got to get together at Beveler USA in Pittsburgh and that was a really fun event and I was glad to meet you guys.
1: Likewise.
0: Yeah so and I knew you before on Instagram because you're always on there posting and you know you're a big part of the welding community.
1: I try to be. I mean yeah, being a collar guy you know.
0: Yeah I love that. That's why I wanted to have you on here. So how long have you worked as a welder?
1: officially as a welder has been six years now unofficially i started welding when i was nine okay. with my grandfather
0: oh what was he a welder by trade
1: uh he was an electrician on pennsylvania railroad
0: and then you told me that you actually had some experience in the railroad industry as well before you were a welder what did you do there
1: Yes, I worked for Norfolk Southern. Uh, I was a freight conductor. I worked there for a little over twelve years, being a fourth generation railroader, ran in a family. That was the thing to do. You know, so I followed in family footsteps. And once I was laid off, it was kind of one of them deals that they paid for schooling, and they chose for me to go be a welder.
0: Nice. So you learned? Did you learn to weld from your grandfather, but then did, where did you have your formal training?
1: Uh, yeah, I learned from my grandfather stick welding mm-hmm. off an old buzz box from Lincoln. Now, uh, mind you, this is probably the 80s. Um, it was older than that, but my formal training, I went to Newcastle School of Trades to their combination welding class that they had, which was 10 months long.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and then... So what type of welding did you do there?
1: Uh, Pretty much it was, they taught us all, all four processes, stick, MIG, TIG, flux core, oxyacetylene, brazing, oxy fuel cutting, burning, plasma cutting. Um, We even got into some sub arc, but it wasn't much because they didn't have the availability or the funds for the machine.
0: Mm -hmm. so after school did you work like at a fab shop or like what were your first welding jobs
1: uh actually I was still in school I was in my third third quarter I started working in a scrap yard as a maintenance man welder and that just proceed to proceeded to a handful different fabrication shops throughout the years Mm -hmm. as I after I graduated in 2015 I started working for a bigger fabricating shop and that's where I built a lot of annealing ovens for steel mills and then just from that point it just progressed like I said from fab shop to fab shop Mm -hmm. and I even got into a little bit of plastic welding as well from a company that was based out of Germany that was actually near here so
0: so when did it, when did you start well, wicked welding and fabrication then?
1: Well, that was kind of my dream even before I back right out of right actually right out of school, it was kind of my dream. I felt that I been around the been around enough to realize that I wasn't going to be making as much money unless I was doing it for myself. So it was a thought, and I played around with it, knocked around the idea for five years, six years, five years, five and a half years. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father passed away December 2021 or 2020, and he was kind of my driving force for me to start my business. So as of January 1st, 2021 was when it became official.
0: So you decided to become a business owner mostly because you wanted to, you know, be the person making decisions and, you know, work on the type of work that you wanted to work on and stuff like that is kind is that kind of what the reasons were?
1: Yes, that was, that was pretty much the sole, sole purpose that I could be the one that could drive by something and say, Hey, I built that, not the company I worked for Mm -hmm. that I could make the decisions. I could pick and choose jobs. I could say what I felt, that mm-hmm. my, my opinion mattered, that I was somebody in this field.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's kind of where it started in the last last business I worked for before COVID hit in Manaca, PA. I actually was brought on to a big job as the one and only welder fabricator with five years experience. And that kind of just, it really shocked me that on a million dollar, couple million dollar job that I made such a name for myself that this company chose me without me even knowing it.
0: So how did you come up with the name for your company?
1: Well... (laughs) I was kind of in one of them things that I designed my own logos. Yeah. I kind of was into drawing when I was in school and my cowboy skull. It's my famous logo. Kind of wanted something to wrap around that idea. And thinking Halloween, you know, a little out there, a cowboy skull, you know, so it's got to be different. Mm-hmm. So I came up with the Wicked. And I figured, well, I'm going to be different. So it started with the Y and Wicked. And then, of course, welding and fabrication came along with it. Because, you know, weaver welding and fabrication just didn't sound right to me. Yeah. It, it didn't roll off the tongue right, you know?
0: Right. And there so, are other weavers. Because I, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time. And I can tell you that I've had at least three companies that were called like weaver welding and fab or weaver finishing. I've had all kinds of customers that had weaver in their name.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was coming across because I was searching. So, but Wicked Welding with Y is the only one in the United States. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, I love it because it's original. Yes. So how many employees um, have you had? Your, your brother-in-law, right?
1: Yeah, my brother-in-law, he more or less just comes and helps me when he's not working his full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um. I have a buddy of mine that he'll come when he when he's available. So really it's it, it more or less boils down on me and only me unless I need a set of extra arms for lifting anything right. that I can't do alone. But that that's it's pretty much myself and that's kind of how I want to do it because I want to I want it to be known that I was the one that started this business that it's me. You know, it's not anybody else.
0: So what services do you offer?
1: What services do I offer? Well, I obviously I'm a mobile I'm a mobile combination welder and fabricator. Uh, I go out on site every process I do, every position, every every every, <laughs> every metal, you know, aluminum, carbon steel, stainless steel, I've gotten into Inconel um manganese magnesium cast iron uh if I can't do it out in the field I bring it back to to my shop Mm -hmm. and that's really I work off my truck for the most part
0: when when you have a mobile business how much of your is all of your work repair work or is some of it fabricating new things as well like what would you say the ratio is
1: being that I just started out and I've only had nine jobs under my belt so far, which were big jobs, mm-hmm. the ratio as it sits right now was about 30% repair, 70% fabrication. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I love repair work. Right. Repair work is great. It's easy money. Right, But the fabrication end of it is kind of what I like to do because it's a new one-off piece that nobody else has.
0: Right. And then you're making it and it's yours. It's not you fixing somebody else's work.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So have you had to repair anything that you went in and you looked at like, oh my God, what is this?
1: (laughs) Actually, I, actually I did. I just did a boat job recently on a $300,000 boat. I did the, um, the racking that holds the wakeboards and the speakers and all that stuff that goes up and over the canopy rack, I think is what they call it. Mm -hmm. Um, Went out on site. You know, it's aluminum, easy peasy, lemon squeezy there. Started to weld, couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting anything to hold. You know, aluminum's tough. still doing what I'm doing. I got it blocked off, you know, here, previous owner, had it repaired and they covered with body putty <laughs> and then sanded it down and painted the whole rack. First wake the guy hit test driving the boat, it snapped. So that had to come off and I had to bring it home to pretty much TIG weld it together. I had to cut a section on sleeve it, TIG weld it and it went back on the boat. And Of course he put it into dry storage for the winter. So that was that was a quite interesting repair, mm-hmm. you know, trying to weld to body filler without knowing it's there. Right. Biggest, biggest thing is, you know, you want to, that I've learned, you make sure you prep your material and you go beyond what normally you would think. So if you're thinking three inches, four inches to take the paint material off, go an extra six, double it, maybe even triple it because you never know what you might find.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure that you have to see some things that are like, have you seen anything that you thought was like beyond repair? Like that it was not able to be repaired?
1: Yeah, I actually had a set of fire escape steps and railing to be done. And (laughs) I mean, they were old, and they just wanted it patched. There was no way to patch it. It was dead. It was just too far gone. So I had to, being in the structural end of it, I had to pretty much build a whole new set of steps and railing. Right. And, I mean, A, age, B, there was already repair to it. And it was the repair work that was done to it is where it broke. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it wasn't
0: even properly fixed. Yeah, I think that I would be... Worried that especially for like stairs or something like that, that the last thing you want to do is be the last person who repaired it and like somebody's going down them and like it doesn't hold up.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a scary thing, especially with it being fire escape steps.
0: Yeah. You know? sure. So, how do you advertise your business currently?
1: Uh, currently, like I said, being new. I'm still working on that. I've got my business cards out. I got my stickers that I pass out, hats, t-shirts, working on getting my website up and running. I'm still pretty much depending on Facebook, Instagram Mm -hmm. at this point in time and word of mouth is where I'm at. I mean, you you see where they put a business card out of the business, I leave them Mm -hmm. because you never know what can happen
0: yeah so your plans for your business and you know i know that you're a part of the southwest pa welding group like you made that with johnny so i know that that's how you're planning on giving back to the community like and having that group and being able to get together and stuff like that what kind of other ideas do you have for being able to give back to the welding community or getting involved with students or things like that. Like, have you had any ideas for other things that you want to do?
1: Um, Being a, being, I'm so new, I'm still finding my way, but I made some decent contacts at Fabtech in Chicago mm-hmm. and I've had a few schools that were interested in me coming down and talking with classes And giving them kind of a rundown that they don't have to go to the pipe field. They don't Mm -hmm. have to go to a fab shop. That they can be their own boss. That they can run their own own thing out of the back of their truck. What the what the downside and what the upsides are to everything on it and what they need to look for. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I would ultimately one day like to be at the point where I can go to schools. And I can recruit to try to bring them on as employees down the road, like a handful of them, send them out. But I definitely like to get a little more involved with the idea that they don't have to go to the pipeline, that there's so many other jobs out there that the schools aren't telling them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really good idea. I like that you have a lot of experience being a professional and, you know, you're new to starting a business, but you still have the welding knowledge and stuff like that. And I feel like that's what is going to make you really relatable to students because they'll, you know, a lot of them want to get a rig. They want to start a business right out of school and they struggle with how to pivot to like, you know, get going and expenses and stuff like that. And we've talked about that before on the podcast, like not buying brand new stuff, starting out with like, Uh, used equipment, not going out and buying a brand new truck, get a used truck and then like work your way up. So you have like working capital and stuff like that. But I feel like you being able to go to schools and stuff or even like welding competitions that might be coming up locally, that I'll keep you involved if um, there are some events coming up, because I have a feeling that we are going to be planning one with the um, AWS section in Pittsburgh. I believe that next year, early in the year, that we're going to have a welding competition locally. And that would be nice for you to be involved with that.
1: Most definitely. I mean, I, I greatly appreciate that. Appreciate that. I mean, and, and getting back to the equipment, I mean, most people don't realize that the, the helps out there, mm-hmm. you can, it, it it's out there to get what you need. and, Everybody wants to run for the new equipment granted new equipment's great, but I mean hell I got a sixty two sixty two s a e four hundred pipeliner and a fifty two short hood mm-hmm. sitting in my backyard I mean <laughs> that's what I started with mm-hmm. and I ended up getting a bobcat uh miller bobcat two fifty that I bought off of Johnny s weld to start my mobile end of it, and he's been pretty pretty spot on with things for me as far as knowledge is concerned, Mm -hmm. but again, he's not much further in the business as I am either. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of learning as we go.
0: I think that's great though. At least you guys had the um, desire, I guess, to go and just do it. You know what I mean? So many people think like you said, you thought about it for five years five years is a long time to like go back and forth with doing it. And then you never know like what it's really going to be like until you jump right in.
1: Uh, Exactly. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it depended on my equipment as well. Like I said, and that's where a lot of the kids in school need to realize. I mean, I I was fortunate enough. Don't don't get me wrong. I was fortunate enough to luck out, to be able to get a decent mobile welder or Mm -hmm. a, a generator welder. I was also lucky enough to win not one but two of the com giveaways mm-hmm. so that 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 seated me perfectly with machine mm-hmm. but again nobody ever looks at what are the alternatives and i the one thing i learned on instagram that i i've been in the year and a half going on two years everybody i've talked to has been more than happy to either answer questions or help out at some point to get me where I needed to be. I mean, I, in the very beginning, I had somebody gave me a list of what they come up with to start their own business on every piece of equipment that they needed Mm
2: -hmm. for me as
1: a guideline. And I mean, I I appreciate that. I I really do. And through that time I've had a handful of good people, very good people help me out Mm -hmm. with knowledge and they still answer, still answer my questions. I mean, Jesse McCollum,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he, he, I had a question about of aluminum on a job and he had no problem answering me and talking to me mm-hmm.
2: and,
1: and giving me that information. So the information's out there as long as people are willing to take the time and ask it.
0: Yeah. You have to ask the question. People can't read your mind or know that you might be struggling or that you don't know what the next step is. If you're not talking about it, that's why I love like the group idea. That's why I love that you guys made that group and that, you know, you guys have multiple business owners getting together, even if it is once a month or however often it is that you guys can talk about, you know, what's going on and maybe somebody is going to be able to you know, give you advice on something or just give you another perspective.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the whole point that we kind of hashed that out was the, the opinions of everybody, the helping each other, even when it comes down to work, if mm-hmm. somebody gets something they can't do, they can pass it along and vice versa, yeah. you know, and that, that, that's where it comes into play and it's just, it, it it's going to take time like everything else. I just was yeah. not as long as five years at the side, you know, but still the same, same process is how I look at it.
0: For sure. So how much time do you spend working like on your business? Like, what are your hours like?
1: Well, that, you know, working, at, working for a company, you know, it was at nine to five, you know, 10 hour days, 12 hour days, you know, and I thought, oh, I'm going to start my business. It's going to be a cakewalk. I ain't going to spend that much time on in a day. Eh, You know, a couple hours here and there. equate maybe. Yeah, boy, did I learn. I learned quick. I spend every waking moment I have thinking about my business and what I can do and what I can better myself at with it and get my name out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hard work involved in starting a business, and it's great. People get that great idea, but... You know, you got to allocate everything, where your money comes, where your money's going, your equipment, your insurance, your maintenance, your um, consumable dealer. I mean, there's, there's so much, then you get into your promotional aspect
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: getting your name out there. And that, that's the biggest key. That is the biggest key that is the hardest. Is getting your name out there because you got to flat out you gotta you gotta always be on top of your game. You always gotta be working. And I've I've heard people say that, yeah, I started my business, I went from a nine to five, now I work twenty-four-seven. And they're right. A hundred percent they're right. It's twenty-four-seven.
0: This week's presenting sponsor is Como Caps. They're a family-owned business based in Louisiana, and they're well-known for their welder's caps. They take a lot of pride in inspecting every cap twice before it ships from their facility, and they also do a lot of market research to create new designs to include in their assorted bundles. Our hosts so far have loved the fit and the style, and right now we actually have an exclusive coupon code for you to use at checkout, if you go to www.comocaps, it's C-O-M-E-A-U-X-C-A-P-S.com and use our code WELD10 at checkout, you'll save 10%. So I know that having a new business, you probably are still figuring this out, but from your first job to where you're at now, what kind of strategy have you had to have in order to get jobs that are going to make you enough money where you're making a profit and also getting the type of work that you want? Like what what kind of business strategy has been involved?
1: Um, obviously I take whatever job I can get. Okay. Number number one, I take whatever job I can get at this point. I'm still new,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but as I'm proceeding, I'm realizing that I don't have to take every job. I can look, I can pass them okay. by that. You know, if somebody calls me for a framework framework on their automobile, on their truck, their car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to get involved that. That's way too much or body work. That's mm-hmm. way too much time you're investing and as a mobile welder, people aren't gonna pay that price for that. So from my business strategy, I look at where I'm gonna make the biggest impact with a business. And I'm also gonna be able to cover what my what what all my equipment and my time is worth. Yeah. You know, you you sit down, you make that list of what your truck. What's your truck's going to cost? Daily maintenance fuel. Then you look at your equipment. If you're still paying for equipment, you've got to take into consideration of that. you got to take into consideration your consumables you buy, your gas, your, you know, whatever it is you need in equipment wise, now your maintenance on anything. Then you take into your travel time. You take in your amount of hours you're going to spend there. And for me, I broke mine down to where as a mobile welder, I have my one set rate. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, if it's something as simple, like I had a guy that needed his chair fixed, he ain't going to pay me my rate because let's be honest for what I was getting, what I'm charging as a mobile welder, he could go buy three chairs Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for that price. So I take in consideration what materials are going to be involved with it. and What my hourly, what I feel my rate is worth to something as simple as that. So, so are was, there
0: some projects though, where you decide to charge an hourly rate versus like a rate for the job, like a quote? Like, do you do both depending on what it is?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of do both. I go out and I quote the job right away. And anybody who wants anything done, I I go out, I give them a quote flat out, and then they either tell me that's what they think mm-hmm. they want to do or not. Um, yeah, I kind of do both. It's kind of b- fly by the seat of your pants
2: mm-hmm.
1: is the best way to best way to explain it. Because you may get something that you know yourself is not is way too much you're charging for that job.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: way too much. That's, that's common sense. I'm not out to rip somebody off. I'm out to make a living and do work. That's it. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, and I could see that you would have to maybe do the hourly thing if you're not sure what you're getting yourself into kind of, if it's a project where you're like, it could go one of two ways. I could start doing this, but then like, this could head south and it's going to take me way more time and you have to account for the possibility that if that if it takes longer, you're going to get compensated for that. So you're not caught, you know, not making anything.
1: Yes, yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it.
0: So what advice do you have for people who are finishing up school and they are, let's start with the ones who Wanna make a small business.
1: Okay, for a small for the small business right out of school. Spend some time in a fabrication shop right away. Go go be a fabricator in a weld shop. Get to learn what you're looking at. School is great, but school doesn't teach you the things that a guy that's been doing it for 40 years, a fitter that's been doing it for 40 years can teach you tricks. Tricks of the trade. That's where you learn. Got to go spend it in the, in, in the field first. Then if you truly decide you want to run a business, you take what you learn, and you just go from there. You make a list of what you think you're going to need, which I did that myself. I knew off the bat I was going to need a generator welder. I was going to need a TIG welder, a MIG flux core machine, my oxyacetylene torches, a plasma compressor. And a a basic set of hand tools along with my grinders, Mm -hmm. you know, and and basic hand tools. I'm talking the welding stuff, the welding hand tools, you know, your, your specific hand tools for being a welder. Then from that point, you, you gotta, you just gotta sit and you gotta think of everything. Think before you leap, because once you leap, there's no coming back. Right. And mm-hmm. if you, you, you start it without knowing where every dollar is spent and how you're gonna recoup that, you're you're gonna be chasing for the rest of your life. But just keep burning and learning is what I was taught by my second quarter pipe teacher. Burn and learn. No matter what you do, burn and learn.
0: So were there Correct. any jobs where when you first started that you were there and you were like, Oh crap, I don't have this. Like what was, what are the things that you think that people might not think that they need to have before they go to a job site? Cause obviously they're going to know they need a machine. They know that they need stuff. What are some things you think that they might easily forget to have?
1: Well, as a welder, you got your gloves. If you got your gloves, your helmet, your chip and hammer, and your running stick. You're good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you you want to have your different different size grinders, at least a four and a half inch up to six, maybe a seven to nine inch grinder. Um come along, need a come along. You need some straps for the come along because you'll get into a bind real quick on a job that you need that and you don't have it. I learned that on a trailer job. I'm glad I had my come along and I had toe straps. Mm-hmm. Um the plasma cutter compressor that that makes your job so much easier if you can't afford that torches same route a little longer do a little more work but make sure you have your torches make sure you have a backup bottle of propane because even if you run out of your acetylene if you're running acetylene you at least got some type of cutting source
2: mm-hmm.
1: um port-a-band a port-a-band saw I don't know how many times that saved me on a job that I could have had it. I didn't have it. And I had to do it the with a grinder. Mm-hmm. Um die grinder. Need a die grinder. That, that's that's a that's a for sure thing. Die grinder, your regular grinders, port band, ladders, couple different size ladders. I got a two, for, two foot and a four foot that I carry and pry bar and a sledge, which should automatically be in your vehicle if you're running a mobile truck. Mm-hmm. Um, more or less, you just, you kind of got to think of the job ahead of time. When you go quote it, that's kind of where I learned. I did it all flying by the seat of my pants. I went to the job. I looked at it, I thought what I was going to do, and that's where my fabrication in the shops came from, was I could look at the job and see, okay, I'm going to fabricate, I'm going to need this tool, this tool, and this tool. So that's why, you know, you want to spend some time in a fab shop, even if it's two years, spend time in a fab shop.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really solid advice. And that's a really good list of things that you gave for people to have on hand.
1: Oh, and you gotta have your safety, your PPE stuff. You gotta yeah. have that. A uh, cutting uh, cutting, you know, your glasses for when you're cutting you need the shield. Oh, believe me, you, you don't want to get stuff in your eyes when you're cutting. <laughs> it's yeah. not fun. So
0: For sure. So what in, in the Pittsburgh area, for anybody that might be listening who would want to go to a fab shop or get like a you know, work in a shop, that's what they wanna do. Can you maybe give an idea about some good places where they would want to check and see if they're hiring?
1: Um, general Fabricating Services in Coriopolis. thats where I worked right out of school. That's where I learned a lot of a lot of good good things with fabricating, with the making those steel those annealing ovens for the steel mill.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: where I learned a lot of my heavy structural, and I learned a lot from that. I, had a, I also had a fitter for 30 years that he spent time with me and he worked with. Me. So that, that helped me. Um, trying to think a couple other places offhand. Monroe, Monroe Services, I think, Monroe, down in Port Ambridge. I worked for them. And we did the cooling tires for Edgar Thompson Mill, U.S. Steel, mm-hmm. big one-inch pipe wrapped with Inconel. That's how I got my Inconel experience. Uh, pig weld Inconel. Um, get into a scrapyard. That, that's where you're going to see a lot and you'll get to play a lot. Right. Because that's what I did. I ran a gas welder there. Yes, it was stick. But they also maintained their uh, semi trailers for scrap. I don't know how many times I welded floors in them. Two or three times. That that's, and did that hardwire with the machine in the shop, and yeah, that – get into a place like that, scrapyard, somewhere that's going to give you kind of free range, but also you're going to still learn. It's going to be trial and error. You're going to take what you learned in school. You're going to know what you did, but you're also going to learn more. Like I did on the Big Texas Shredder, I had to – the Hammers that are inside that when it spins, it beats on the scrap that's in and breaks it up in little pieces mm-hmm. that I didn't know I could weld them with uh stainless steel rod, 309 rod. Or um, I think it's 309 rod. I, I I forget. I'm not, you know, technical on the rods, but I think
0: it might I, be 312. Isn't it? The maintenance rod.
1: Maybe that, that might've been what it is. It's been, it's been five years, Yeah. You know? It was right in school, so. But, yeah, we the hammers. You welded the hammers in place on the frame, and then they pulled the big, giant pin. And you had to turn the hammers every day because they looked like a bell shape. And they worn down on the bottom of the bell. So you would pull the pin and flip, spin them, and then push the pin back in. There was eight across each row. Well, the only way you're going to hold them things in is you got to stick weld them on. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was my first time with that, you know, especially welding the Inca now in there, that, that's not fun and galvanized. I learned how to weld galvanized in there and partially my fault. I didn't wear a respirator, but I was outside. Right. And that's what I learned real quick, you know, galvanized, when it starts burning, turning yellow, it don't smell good and it's really bad for you. Um, But Yeah. Somewhere you're going to get into the thick of things. That that's the biggest thing. You want something that doesn't do the repetitive manufacturing daily. If that's the route you want to go and running your own business and your own mobile service truck,
0: right? You want a one variety.
1: Day, yeah. One day you'll be. I, one day I was welding dumpsters. I welded dumpsters one day. Then the next day I worked on a trailer. That was my second second or third job. I did an over the road trailer for a. Um, an oil rig they were shifting bringing stuff from i forget where they were down in wheeling when he called me and he was headed up north somewhere and i had to fix something on his trailer so i mean it may be something simple but you're going to get different options and being in a scrapyard i think prepared me a lot being able to jump from different things
0: great it sounds like the scrapyard will give you more foundational type things too because you probably don't have to worry about how pretty it is but you can still make sure that you're learning things to be structurally sound and build up and repair and stuff like that and then you can obviously make your welds better looking like as you go and get more experience
1: yes yes it's it's exactly exactly right you hit that nail on the head yeah so
0: Well, I really appreciate you coming on here. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram?
1: Well, first of all, I appreciate being on here. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at wicked underscore welding underscore and underscore fabrication. I'm also on Facebook, Greg Weaver Jr. I'm tied to it as wicked welding fabrication. Um. I have an Etsy store as well. (laughs) It's Wicked Welding Fabrication.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Well, if any of you are interested in being a guest on our podcast, please message me on Instagram. You guys can find me at weld.com. And I will talk to you guys again next week. Thank you.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.